0: I've been sharing with you a series of messages, and uh, and, and the idea that um, there it is. So it was supposed to be okay. The idea of of, um, of love came down from Christmas. So I have the scriptures. Um, can you give me the Bible that's there in front of you? And look for Psalm ninety-six. I want to read Psalm ninety-six, so you guys can listen carefully to this word. Listen to the word of the Lord in Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his goodness. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be revered above all gods. For all gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord is king. The world is firmly established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest shall sing for joy before the Lord. For he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness, and the people with his truth. This following verse in the Minor Prophet uh, is it the Italian one, Malachi? No, it's Malachi. Malachi, people, don't don't let me trick you in that. It's Malachi, but I like to say it's Malachi. Why not? The Bible should be diverse verse. Just kidding. Um, in Malachi, we we heard this when I was preaching precisely for he is like a refiner a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap he will sit as a refiner and purify purifier of silver he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness then the offering of Judah in Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. I will be doing the reading later on in the message. Actually, I will be concluding the message with the reading this morning. And if you saw that I disappeared, it's because I left the message on my desk. And when I stood up in the lectern here, I was going to repeat last week's sermon. Paul would say, it is not grievous for me to repeat, O Galatians, the things that I have shared with you in the past. And the thing is that if you read the three letters, Galatians, Ephesians, Thessalonians, and even include Colossians, they kind of repeat themselves because he's sending similar messages to all those churches. But today we have gathered to to continue our Advent series of love came down on Christmas. And we selected that series because Jesus embodies love. God, the scripture says that God is love. and therefore it is our responsibility who have been blessed with a relationship, who have been blessed with the love of God in our lives, who have been wakened and quickened that God is alive and blessing us in our lives. We are supposed to testify to that love. How many of you are aware that God is in your life? Let me see the ones who didn't raise their hands because they either have arthritis or they don't know. And smack him into reality. Did you know that is the 13 gifts of the Holy Spirit? No. Slap. The gift of slapping people into reality. No. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> she laughs. I think we use that in the island a lot, right? But it's not a gift. So basically, the love of God who has been poured in our hearts, God is telling us and reminds us not only every day but every year that that love is everlasting. And last week, that was the theme that we spoke, that we dealt with. We dealt with the idea that God's love is everlasting. It became before the foundation of creation, and it poured out throughout Israel. It poured out in such a way that the streams of history led us into Jerusalem, into Bethlehem, into a day that love came down at Christmas because love is Jesus. God's love was in Jesus so that Jesus would then become love in us and we then in turn would love one another. So last week we were testifying of God's amazing everlasting love because he reminded us in Jeremiah that with everlasting love I have loved you. Can you say that? With everlasting love I have loved you. Own it. That's the word of God for you. Today, I want to share very briefly about not only testifying to God's um, ageless love, but testifying to God's unfettered love, testifying to the love of God. Oh, by the way, and he says the same thing as conditional love. Conditional love, Nancy, is the situation by which God loves you. The unfettered love of God is what God does once he declares you loved. You see, once He declares you no condition, there's nothing between you and I. There's a clear pathway between you and I. We can embrace one another. There is no condition that you have to satisfy, that you have to fulfill for my love to be in you, for my forgiveness and redemption to be in you and for you. The question is, why are you got to stop? What's your barrier? What's your holdup? What's your excuse? So we know God loves us, unconditionally. But then, how does God distribute that love to us? It is unfettered. It is uncontrollable. It is unrestrained. Do you realize that? That things that happen to us, and we blame God, oh, it is God loving us in some way or another. For God loves his children, and the old languages, and he chastens them, and he corrects them, and he guides them, and he narrows them. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, says the scriptures. So God's love is a love that is unfettered, it is uncontrolled, it is unrestrained. And in our story, we're going to find about Zechariah. Zechariah, oh, not the old, not the the minor prophet Zechariah that we spoke a few weeks ago. This is Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. Oh, come on. That's 101, Christmas 101. Let me try it again if there is any grace in that recording, I think it's been recorded today. You guys are, so let's do it so that you guys don't get embarrassed, okay? So, so Zechariah was the father of? John. You got it now, okay? Okay. <laughs> so John the Baptist is the one that our, our our first preacher was talking about. He will be sent to talk about Jesus. He will be sent before to announce the one that is the Redeemer. Well, Zechariah is his daddy. Zechariah guess what he was? He was a priest. He wore stuff like this on the Sabbath. He actually wore more other stuff. He would have three three times this kind of thing, a hat, And this time, he was one of the 7,000, 7,000 priests that were in Jerusalem during that time. And they were divided into 24 groupings. Every grouping, guess what, had the privilege of serving the temple, of doing the worship for two weeks out of the year. Does it add up? In their calendar, it does. Okay? So this time, it was the family of Abdiahs. And Zechariah was there, and by lots, they chose the priest of that group, that cohort of the 24th. They would pick the one who would go behind the Holy of Holies, the curtain that if you go back there with sin, you came back as they pulled you dead. Because you couldn't go back there without any redemption, without any blood, without any sacrifice in your hands. And it was Zechariah's turn. But you and I know that Zechariah kept. A little secret in his heart. One of those nagging prayers. They will repeat over and over again, and we never get the answer to that prayer. See, Zechariah was older, and his wife's name was Elizabeth. Elizabeth, all together, Elizabeth. Quiz. Father John Baptist, you know Elizabeth. Okay. Uh, and and uh, so so she she also wanted a child, and they didn 't have a child in those days. It was almost embarrassing for a priest not to have a child. it was bad. you were not obeying the the commandment of you know multiply and and be fruitful so he had that little secret and and I I'm sure. I was going to say I bet. Probably yeah, you saw me. I say I bet that when he saw the dice were thrown and his name came up, I'm going to be the one going behind the tabernacle in the holy of holies and I'm going to be the one offering and I am the one who has the privilege to say the prayers before God. I can slip in my request. And guess what? He did. He did. He put on all his robes and his stuff, and he walked out, and, and, and he stepped in the middle, and they opened the curtains with chains, and he walked in, probably fearing for his life because he has his own agenda, and as he walked in, he sprayed the incense. The incense were symbols of the prayers and the praises of all the people that are outside in the temple, and they knew that the priest was praying for them when they saw the smoke Come out, and the aroma of the incense. He's praying for us. He's interceding for us. You see, you don't get that when I'm doing that at home. These days, when I'm praying for you, there's no smoke stack coming out—black or white smoke. Papa. <laughs> no, but but so in his story, he goes in, and he makes the prayer. And you know what happened? Gabriel showed up. What? Gabriel showed up. He had an, a, a, an experience where an angel, and out of this world being a, a UFO probably traveled and dropped him off somewhere near the temple. You know, this guy's got wings, he's got shining stuff, and of course I'm freaking out. I'm the priest, and and even though I'm supposed to have belief, I'm supposed to, I don't believe what I'm seeing. Lack of faith. He is seeing it, Brandon. He's seeing it. And he doesn't believe it. And the angel says, of course, the words that we always need to hear do not be afraid. Do not be afraid afraid and the angel tells him what is going to happen that you're going to have a child and this child is going to be the the one who's going to promote and is going to open the the gates for the messiah to come and the guy doesn't believe the special emissary with special light features and all that technology that he didn't even know about didn't believe him just would not believe the guy You see, God answers prayers, and sometimes we don't like the answer, sometimes we don't believe the answers, and sometimes we're not even willing to pay the price for the answer. The wisdom literature tells us it is pleasant to see dreams come true. How many of you have seen a dream come true? I have. I've actually uh, had dreams come true that I didn't really intend them to come true. (laughs) Yeah. I I used to pray, Lord, I need a lab to practice the things I'm learning about transformation and multiculturalism. I need my lab. I got it. We got it. You got it, too. You're in this with me. So sometimes we even, you know, we're not willing to pay the price. It is pleasant to see dreams come true. How many of you have had wonderful dreams for your children and have seen some of those dreams come true? I don't say, oh, because I have three. And they can shatter some of our dreams. But we have seen them succeed. How many of your own personal dreams have at some level or another have actually come reality? We raise our hands in thanksgiving to God. But notice what the rest of the, of the text says. But fools I, I, I love, you know, the, the proverbs, the wise and the fool. But fools refuse to turn away from their past evil ways to attain those dreams. Proverbs 13:19. So we refuse God's love, God's radical love, when we don't deserve it in the first place. Our our refusal of God's unrestraining love puts us in bondage. Fear is the number one bondage. We just do not believe God because we see a limited God, because we have domesticated God to our likings and our likes and even our culture. God does not break our culture. God does not ask me to give up my three cars when I only use one. God does not ask me to give up three homes when I only need one. God does not ask anything of me that should even bother me or put me on comfort. We should go straight to you know where with that kind of mentality. And that is all fear. We fear what we're about to lose because we don't know what we're about to gain. We don't know it because we don't have the faith. We didn't have the faith that Zechariah should have had. He prayed for a son. The answer is right there, and he didn't believe it. Wow. I mean, that's with a supernatural experience. And we don't seem to have many of those. So, if that is his reaction with a supernatural experience, guess what our reaction without them? We don't even see it. We suddenly are believers in bondage. We are bound by our negative past. We are bound by our sense of superiority. We are bound by our prejudices to others. We are blinded to our fears, unbelief. So, we become religious. Oh, yeah. You see, the counterfeit of true Christianity is religiosity. Religiosity satisfies all of its requirements in one hour on Sunday, and you're done. Christianity requires us to love. And this Sunday, this morning in Sunday school, we learned that our basic responsibility, our Christians, is to love. And that is not the three, four minutes that we're passing the peace to one another, hypocritically smiling while we're stabbing the person in the back. No, that doesn't happen. It is seven days a week, 365, 24 hours that you are before God. We just gather as a community. But when we do not want God, when we refuse God to deal with our lives, to take that flashlight and go under the table, go under the bed, go into our closets, oh, no, 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 no. We become self-righteous. And self-righteousness is the other thing that leads us into religiosity. Priests serving in the temple, but bound to fear and unbelief, cynicism, and perhaps even angry at God. Fear and self-righteousness are the roots to refuse God's unfettered love. They can't believe that others may have the privilege of God, that others may have the privilege of power, that others may have the privilege of authority, like Jonah believed of the Ninevites. They don't believe in it. Actually, uh, uh, our gospel does believe in that. And, and there is a lady, Martha Reese, Grace Reese, who's developed a series of life evangelism series in our denomination. And she calls it Unbinding the Gospel. And she has to begin with this process. And you can't, there are four books, and you can't start with number three, because you have to start with the first one. The first one is called Unbinding the Gospel. It is a straight clarification of what the gospel is and what the gospel is not the second one is called unbinding your hearts because once you know the gospel is true and it is true to change everyone's heart you then begin to feel for others that's the problem we have no sense for others you know how i know that this church does not really care about other people let me bring it home step on some toes today Ooh, this is hard i thought i was hitting wood you know how I know? Because there are still over, t- over 300 cards to be passed out and invite people here for Advent. That's how I know we don't care. And you know this is not the first time? This is the third Christmas. that The cards are left behind because we do not pass them out. This is called a therapeutic sign. So Martha then continues, and she asserts that once the gospel is unbinded, that once the, the, uh, our, our understanding of the gospel is unbinded, once our hearts is unbound, then the church can move in that community. Otherwise, it can't happen. If your hearts are bound to evil past ways of doing church, because that don't work anymore. Then you are gonna fail. You're gonna be out of the loop and you will feel ostracized. God is attempting to unbind our bondage, understanding of the gospel by understanding of the gospel so that our hearts would be unbound, unfettered, unrestrained, and then the church can be unbound. See, they perish, says Second Thessalonians, because they refused to love the truth, and so they made, and so they made themselves idols. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it. For fear, their sins will be exposed. Oh, people, you don't know the joy of your sins to be exposed? Oh, I should be saying, you don't know the shame of your No, 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 no. The shame has nothing. The guilt has nothing with the freedom, with the liberation that we experience when a sin is exposed on us and we surrender by repentance. It is freedom. It is joyful for the Lord and the Spirit to cut and look inside. Other of us, we just run away. You see, Zechariah refused God's unfettered love with his unbelief. God dealt with him, put him aside, placed him away to think and reflect. Uh, All that means is that he was shut up. He couldn't speak until the baby was born. Oh, he conceived the baby quietly. Couldn't speak. Yet, in that isolation, in that apparent shame of a priest coming out of the holies with silence, I'm pretty sure God unbounded Zachariah's heart. He unbounded his suspicion. He unbounded his unbelief. And he unbounded his sense of mistrust with God. Listen to the words that came out of him. Now listen to the words that came out of this man. Once his heart was unbounded. Listen to and for the word of the Lord. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised. Through his holy prophets long ago, now we will be saved. From our enemies and from all who hate us, He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor, Abraham. We have seen, hey, we have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And so, Zechariah continues, My little son will be called the prophet of the Most High because he will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins because of God's tender mercy. In the morning, light of heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadows of death and to guide us to a path of peace the word of the Lord